You're listening to Cape Watch Radio with Pastor Dave Shank of Calvary Chapel, Cape May in Cape May, New Jersey. Join us as Pastor Dave teaches verse by verse through the book of Joshua. Call me sinners, poor, needy, and weak. He stands to save you now, full of pity and love, mighty power. He's willing and able, He calls you now. The media, the commercials, all the advertisement make the world really attractive. Really looks good. It brings death because it will eventually entice us and keep us away from the Lord. It will keep us away from the Lord. And when we choose to compromise our beliefs, instead of keeping our eyes fixed on Jesus Christ, we have problems. We have major problems. Yes, we are in this world. But Scripture says we're not of the world anymore. Joshua 18 recounts for us the survey that God's people made of the wonderful land He had promised them. In today's message, Pastor Dave will encourage us to continue fighting for further spiritual victory, always taking more ground, never settling for less than God's best when it comes to our relationship with God. Now here's Pastor Dave with today's edition of Cape Watch Radio. Joshua 18 today. We are in Joshua 18 So we've been working our way through this great book. Having a real good time working our way through the book of Joshua. And in this section that we've been studying, we've been studying the promised land as it's been divided now into an inheritance for the tribes. Each tribe so far has been assigned a lot or a parcel of land that they were going to occupy. And it was their job, according to the command of the Lord, to go in wipe out all the inhabitants, clear out anybody who's still there, and take the land fully for themselves. This was God's inheritance to them. We've been studying it. The borders, as we went through in red, are clearly and distinctly marked. There are clear borders of each parcel. The first we saw to receive this inheritance were the two and a half tribes of Reuben, Gad, and Manasseh, Manasseh being the half-tribe. They settled on the east side of the Jordan back in chapter 13. We've seen Judah, led by Caleb, receive their lot in chapter 14 and 15. And then in chapter 16 and 17, we looked at Ephraim and the other half of the tribe of Manasseh as they received their parcels of land. And we learned some interesting things. The two and a half tribes that settled on the other side of the Jordan were content with what they had. They were content with that land. And we made the point that said they were content with less than God had for them. They were content with this food when God was saying, I got filet mignon for you. I got the best seafood for you. I got the best prize for you. I got the best that you can possibly eat waiting for you. But they were content to stay on this side of the Jordan. They were blessed. They received God's inheritance. But we also know that problems arose because of their being there and the things that happened. We talked about that as we studied it. We saw that the tribe of Judah received the largest plot. Judah got the biggest parcel. The leader of the tribe of Judah at the time was Caleb. And if you remember, Caleb came to Joshua and said, I want Hebron. Hebron was on the mountaintops. 
in the woods, in the forest, where all the giants dwelt. And Caleb said, I want to go up there and I want to wipe them out. I want to take them because God has given me that land. God had commanded them to get rid of the enemy. Last week, we looked at Ephraim and his brother Manasseh. We talked about Ephraim and Manasseh being sons of Joseph and how Jacob blessed them. But they wanted more territory. They wanted more than they were given because of their association with Joseph. And they were proud because they told Joshua, hey, we're a great nation. We're a great people, and we deserve more. But as proud as they were, they didn't follow through God's command. They didn't clean up the land. They didn't take their parcel and do what it was. Because it's not through boasting, but through belief that we get our victory. Not through boasting on the victory. It's believing in the victory that the victory comes. Sometimes those who talk the most seem to accomplish the least. Those who are always speaking, but never doing or hearing, accomplish the least. So we looked at these things. And everyone except for Caleb now, Every one of them except for Caleb, where he drove out the giants, they failed to drive out the inhabitants of their land. They failed God's command. They disobeyed God. Instead, what they did was they allowed the people to dwell in the midst of their land, and they took them into slavery. They made them slaves. They got lazy. They would rather have people being their slaves than driving them out and obtaining all that God had for them. And we are liken that to our lives. There are things in our lives that we're comfortable with that aren't of God. There are things of our lives that hold us down, strongholds that hold us down that aren't of God. And because we're comfortable with them, we allow them to stay there, thinking that we can handle them or thinking that they can actually benefit us. When God says, no, get rid of them. Get rid of all of them and worship only me. As we get further into the Old Testament, we will see the tragic results of this disobedience. We're going to see the tragic results of this compromise as the Canaanites and all the other ites, all the local inhabitants become thorns in Israel's side to the point where they draw them away from worshiping God. Israel and the people of Israel begin to marry their daughters. And all these people are idol worshipers. They're all worshiping foreign gods. They're all worshiping others. And they're all not following the Ten Commandments. So they're drawn away. Israel allows their sons and daughters to intermarry. And they become, instead of getting these people to become like them and worshiping the one true living God, they then become like the people that inhabit there. And we see this happening all the time. And if you remember, we likened it to us living in this world. We liken it to us living in the world. And this is what happens because we're enticed by the world. The world looks good. The world looks really great out there. The media, the commercials, all the advertisement make the world really attractive. Really looks good. It brings death because it will eventually entice us and keep us away from the Lord. It will keep us away from the Lord. And when we choose to compromise our beliefs, instead of keeping our eyes fixed on Jesus Christ, we have problems. We have major problems. Yes, we are in this world. But Scripture says we're not of the world anymore. If you're born again, you're born anew. We're not of the world. Our kingdom is in heaven. Our place is in heaven. 
We're not really of this world. As Abraham said, we're sojourners. We're just passing through. We're pilgrims looking for that place that is built without hands. Made without man-made things. The world should have no influence on our lives. But yet the world does. Instead, we should be led solely by the Holy Spirit. We should be led solely by the hand of God. So much so that when James was writing in his epistle, he says this thing which is, is very clear to read. In James 4.4, 4, he says, Do you not know that friendship with the world is enmity with God? Wow. Enmity means war. Enmity means rebellion. It means that if you're friends in the world, well, wait a minute, I have friends in the world. That's not what he's saying. If you're allowing the world to be the major influence on your life is what he's saying. If you're allowing the world to be the major influence on your life, then there's a problem. That becomes enmity with God. There are two opposing kingdoms in the universe. Two opposing kingdoms in the universe. There's the kingdom of God and light and life. And there is the kingdom of Satan, which is darkness and death. You are either in one of those kingdoms or you're in the other kingdom. And you have a choice which one you want to make. If you're not in the kingdom of the light, if you're not in the kingdom of light following Jesus Christ, you're in the kingdom of darkness. Why? Because they are mutually exclusive. It can't happen. Paul said, what fellowship has light with darkness? What concourse has Christ with Baal? Jesus himself said, no man can serve two masters. He will hate the one and love the other, or will you hold the one and despise the other? You cannot serve God and mammon. We cannot be friendly with the world in that light. To the victorious Christian, this is paramount. This is paramount. To the world... The Christian and the world should be like oil and water. They do not mix. They do not mix. Well, how are we going to tell them about Christ? Well, there's a difference. There's a difference in telling them about Christ and being illuminating love of Christ without doing the things of the world. There's a difference. I make the church better by being aware of the Holy Spirit and how the Holy Spirit works in my life. That's how I'm going to make the church better. We can't bring in man to do what God wants to do. And that's what I see happening here. So this world situation that we have, yes, we're in the world. And we have to, we have to pay our bills. We have, to, we have to work. We have to make a living. All these things that we have to do in the world. That's correct. But it shouldn't be our lives. Our lives are in Christ. We're new. We are new creatures. And people says, well, gee, that doesn't sound like a lot of fun. Doesn't sound like a lot of fun. Well, then you really aren't in Christ. Because all those things that the Lord has taken away from me, you might think, oh my, he's taken all these things away. All those things that were holding me down, all those things I thought were wonderful. Actually, they were making me most miserable. And now I'm happier than I've ever been in my entire life. Ever been because of what he's done. And by following him. So the tribes of Israel are going to suffer greatly for this choice of allowing these inhabitants of the land to stay. 
This is why God wanted them to completely gone, because God knew what would happen. God knew. God knows. This is why we tell you, don't hang around with the world because the influence comes in. And we've had this illustration before. You take someone who's a Christian, who starts dating someone who is a non-Christian, the first thing they say to you, well, I'm going to bring them to the Lord. Okay. I can guarantee you that 95% of the time, they go the other way and not bring that person there. There are those times when that person comes to the Lord. Yes, there are. But most of the time, that person goes the other way, away from the Lord, not to the Lord. It's that the association we bring. So as we looked at that overview, we're coming in chapter 18. There's still land to be divided. There is still land to be divided, but they changed the procedure a little bit. They're going to change the procedure a little bit. We're going to look at that. And a few other things that happened. I found a couple things. Actually, I only found two verses that I really want to dig into, but we'll read through the entire chapter, except for all the names. That's your job. Look at verse 1, chapter 18. Now the whole congregation of the children of Israel assembled together at Shiloh and set up the tabernacle of meeting there. And the land was subdued before them. The tabernacle of meeting at Shiloh. They set up the land. They set up there. The land was subdued. We look at this. Ever since they came over the river Jordan, where was their headquarters at? Where were their headquarters at? Where did they always retreat to? Gilgal. Gilgal was right about 10 miles from Jericho. That was their base. But they moved. They moved their headquarters to a place called Shiloh. And we know from Deuteronomy 12, we're not going to take time to go there, but we know from Deuteronomy 12, the Lord says, I will tell you where I will be. I will tell you where to move the tabernacle. I will tell you where to place it. And here he places it now right in the center of the tribes. Because if you look at this, it's right in the middle of the land. It's right in the middle of the land. And it's also in the tribe of Ephraim. Why is this important? Who's from the tribe of Ephraim? Joshua. Joshua is an Ephraimite. So this is natural that he would have it in his own tribe since he's the leader. But it's also there because it's the center. The tabernacle will remain in Shiloh until King David removed the ark to Jerusalem in 2 Samuel 6, which is about 300 years. It's going to remain in Shiloh for about 300 years. And Shiloh's not a great place after that. Shiloh has some problems in Jeremiah 7.12 and in Psalm 78.60. It talks about Shiloh. In fact, in Jeremiah, it talks about the wickedness of Shiloh because of Eli, the wicked priest, who brings Shiloh down and basically the Lord destroys it. But what I'm getting at is the, the tabernacle becomes the center of all the activity in Israel. It becomes the center of all the activity. What is the tabernacle? What importance does it have? It's a place where God dwells. God is now dwelling in the midst of all of Israel. He is dwelling in the midst of all Israel. It's a place where all come to worship Him. It's a place where God is dwelling in their midst. And He is to be worshipped. And He is to be praised. Likewise, Victoria Christian, 
We worship God through our blessed Savior, Jesus Christ. He is in our midst. He is the object of our worship. We don't worship anybody in charge. We come here to worship one person and one person only, our Lord. He is the centrality of whom we worship. He is the centrality of what we want to do. Our job is to point people to Him. He is the one that takes care of your problems. He is the one that fixes your hurts. He is the one that does the healing. Our job is to point people to Him. It's not about a church. It's not about a pastor. It's not about a worship team or the type of worship we do. It's about Jesus Christ. It's about Jesus Christ and Him crucified. It's the story of the cross. That's what we do here. There's three things to remember. And they're very, very easy to remember. And I like this this little saying. It's Jesus, only Jesus, and nothing but Jesus. And that's what we do. He becomes the centrality of our lives. And just as the lots of promise for each tribe was centered around the tabernacle, which is God's presence, so should our lives be centered around the presence of God through the Holy Spirit. Our lives should be centered around Him. And if your life is centered around Him, you don't really have time to be centered around the world. You don't have time to be in the world when your life is centered around things. Our life is centered around God's love for us and what He has accomplished for us through Jesus Christ. And this is what the Holy Spirit does in our lives. This is what the Holy Spirit does. All the work of the Holy Spirit is to do what? What's the main job of the Holy Spirit? To lead us to Christ. To testify of Christ. To teach us of Christ. To show us Christ. To conform us in the image of Christ. And that's what's so important. The greatest evidence of our lives that is yielded to the work of the Holy Spirit is that Jesus becomes the center of everything we do. He's our center. He's what we move and breathe and have our being. So when we're under the influence of the Holy Spirit, our lives will always be testimonies of Jesus Christ. Our lives will always be His testimonies. We've been studying, as we looked at the victorious Christian, we've been studying and using John 10.10. I've come to give you life and life more abundant. A rich, spiritually filled life. A life of adventure. A life of purpose, a life of power, a life of joy, and a life of holiness. This is what the abundant life is. Do you have that kind of life? Do you have that kind of life? Because this is the life in Jesus Christ. This is coming into the full promised land. And if you don't have that life, then I suggest to you that there are still giants in your life that you need to get rid of. There are still strongholds that are keeping you down that you need to get rid of. Because this is the life Christ has come to give us. A spiritually rich life. One with purpose and power by the Holy Spirit. One with joy. Sadly, too many Christians are not living this way. They don't even try to have this kind of life. They don't simply understand or can't comprehend the new life that they've been given in Jesus Christ. The Lord spoke to the prophet Isaiah and he said, My people are destroyed for lack of knowledge. We are destroyed by lack of knowledge too. And remember when we've been talking on Sunday morning, that word knowledge means experiential knowledge of who Christ is. It's a personal experiential knowledge of Jesus Christ. Knowing him in a personal level. Seeing what he has done in your life. Seeing how he acts in your life and how he shows up on a daily basis. 
Too many of us are living like paupers in the presence of a king. Too many of us are living like Eeyore. Oh, I'm a Christian. Yeah. Oh, boy. I'm a Christian. Oh, my. I got all kinds of problems. Well, who would want that? Who would want that? What we have is supposed to be contagious. It's supposed to be contagious. Christianity is usually caught before it's taught. It's a contagion. We're we're looking for self-rule and self-indulgence. That's our favorite. I'm the king of my castle and I'm going to rule my own house. Instead of allowing the Holy Spirit to take care of us. And allowing the Spirit to fill our lives in the inheritance that we have through Jesus Christ. So the tabernacle was moved to Shiloh. An interesting fact about the name Shiloh. Has anybody picked up on that? Jacob used it in chapter 49 of Genesis, saying, When Shiloh comes, it was a name for the Messiah. Shiloh was a name used for the Messiah. So, they moved the tabernacle to Shiloh, where the Messiah will be. And they centered their lives around the Messiah. That's what we do. We center our lives around the Messiah, Jesus Christ. We center our lives around Him. So they moved it, and they set it up there, and it will last there for 300 years. Verse 2. But there remained among the children of Israel seven tribes which had not received their inheritance... Then Joshua said to the children of Israel, How long will you neglect to go and possess the land which the Lord God your fathers had given you? Joshua. I love Joshua. He says, Hey guys, why do you think we came here? Why do you think we came all that way to come in this promised land to sit on each other's lap? No, no, no. There's a whole great big land here that God wants you to have. You need to go out and conquer it. You need to go out and take it and claim what is rightfully yours. How long will you neglect to go possess the land which the Lord God of your fathers has given you? I bet if I lined up $20 bills on the stage all the way down and told you to come up and find the name on a $20 bill because there's one for everybody of you, How long would it take you to get up to this stage to get that $20 bill? In fact, some of you might hurt others on the way up. You get the picture. God has given Israel this land flowing with milk and honey. He has given them a prized possession. And they're sitting around going, well, what do you think we should do now? I don't know. What do you think we should do? How long are you going to neglect this? Could it be that these people were so used to wandering that they needed more guidance? It's probably more than likely that they couldn't settle because every time a crisis happened, they ran. Every time a problem happened, they ran. One minute they're on the coast, something happens and they run inland. Something happens and they run to the mountains. Something happens and they run here. They're so used to wandering around for 40 years, they can't get into there. Do you know anybody like this? Do you know anybody who won't get roots and stay? We'd love to keep studying the Word of God with you, but sadly, that's all the time we have for today. Be sure to tune in again, though, to Pastor Dave's continuing verse-by-verse study of the book of Joshua here on Cape Watch Radio. In the meantime, we'd like to invite you to learn more about Cape Watch Radio by visiting our website, capewatchradio.com. 
There you'll find an array of previous messages from Pastor Dave Shank, available to listen to, download, or even share with your friends and family, all free of charge. You can also subscribe to our podcast on iTunes. In this busy world, setting time aside to study the Bible in depth is difficult, so we'd like to make that just a bit easier. By subscribing to our podcast, you'll have sound, biblical teachings sent right to your smartphone or computer. What a great way to infuse your day with God's Word. If you're looking for a church family and happen to be in the Cape May area, we'd love to have you join us for a time of worship and Bible study right here at Calvary Chapel, Cape May. We meet weekly on Sunday at 8.30 a.m. and 10.30 a.m. and continue to walk through the Bible on Wednesdays at 7 p.m. If you have small children, please feel free to give us a call to find out which service will fit your family best. Our number is 609-884-5821. That's 609-884-5821. Thanks for listening to today's message from the book of Joshua. Pastor Dave will be back soon for another in-depth look at this fascinating book right here on Cape Watch Radio.